Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and thanks so much for joining us again today. Today, we're uh, broadcasting a little early, and um, therefore, you will hear somewhat different music, but that's the way it is today. It will be replayed at 6 p.m. our regular time. So I'm very glad that you're joining us. And today we're going to be uh, going over, as it says on Blog Talk Radio, the whole idea of sacred stewardship. We're going to really talk about a few different things. One is the idea of sacred stewardship and what that really consists of. Number two, we're going to be looking at a few things that are of real importance importance, very uh, topical and very, um, you could say, of the moment. One is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We'll be speaking about that. And we'll be also bringing on someone from the Planet Earth event that's taking place in New York City tomorrow evening in honor of Earth Day. And today is Earth Day, so happy Earth Day. In fact, for me, Earth Day is every day. It's part of the uh, fundamental idea of sacred stewardship, that we express our appreciation and gratitude for being alive on this planet, which is to say, on this Earth. And that's where the whole game begins and ends, frankly. Um, But we're talking more about beginnings right now. And when we come from that place, when we come from the place that Earth Day is every day, you could even say birthday is every day because according to the ancient wisdom teachings, we die and we are born every day. We die at night i.e. we die to our ordinary three-dimensional reality, and we are then born again back into it, and we pass away, and we pass back in. In the morning, the sun comes up, or it appears to, and that's good enough, and we appear to be alive. And Well, I don't know if that is good enough in itself, but it's a place certainly to begin Uh, stretching and then stretching ourselves and reaching down to the earth and reaching high to heaven. That's what we do in the Qigong exercise called, called Marriage of Heaven and Earth, which we do every single time we meet for the Heaven on Earth seminar series that I teach here in New York City. So you see that there's this integral progression and place where we all meet both physically, materially, three-dimensionally, and in the higher realm of understanding our deeper principle, our deeper values, who we are, and that's what we really want to come to is why we're here. And I'm going to float something out to you, which will become sort of the basis of everything else I talk about. And, of course, if anybody wants to call in, you're welcome to. Uh, But I 
don't know if we're going to have time so much for that today. So uh, we should have a guest on shortly talking about the Planet Earth Earth Day celebration taking place in the West Village tomorrow. Uh, my old friend Andrew Kane is sponsoring it. He does every year for the last many years. I have sometimes been a moderator of panels or have been on a panel or MC of the event as well. So uh, this year, my good friend Alan Steinfeld will be doing it, and um, there will be a uh, an array of wonderful people. Last year, I brought uh, Gary Null in to be the keynote speaker, and I moderated the panel, uh, which was the environmental panel. There was also a peace panel. Um, I think uh, my other dear friend and colleague, Paul Slakis, was the moderator of that. So it's a community we have here in New York, and we uh, play musical chairs, you could say, but who's going to do what when? In fact, Heaven on Earth seminar meets tomorrow at 6 o'clock downtown, so that's uh, where I will be uh, at first and then arriving at the event afterwards, God willing. So... But coming back to uh, the fundamental idea of today is this notion that I have evolved over the years called sacred stewardship. And it comes from this initial relationship of being born, a relationship with being born. So it's both to our parents and to the parents of our parents of our parents going all the way back to Earth herself, Mother Earth, Pachamama in the Quechua language of the Andes and the Amazon, Gaia in the ancient Greek, which has come to embody the idea of Mother Earth as a living being, as a living principle, out of which all biology emerges, i.e. all life, bios, life, ancient Greek. That's where we come from. That's where we come to embody. Some people would say our spirit becomes embodied. Spirit being that finer, more refined intelligence that can be found in every single little quantum corner of the universe <clears throat> that we too wholly embody and are made of and from. So, even though we think of body and spirit as separate, distinct uh, nature, I'm saying that it's actually a continuum of greater and lesser density. The spirit, of course, being the finer and the body being the grosser. Not gross, but grosser. And when you look at this, everything on a continuum of vibratory rate, if you will, of frequency, uh, of density, concentration, or uh, greater um, lightness, literally, light and soundness, if you will, we get this interesting gradation. But it is all part of the same spectrum we call life. And uh, it is then up to us to recognize the finer in the grosser, the light and the finer sound in the depth and density of the grosser, our physical vehicle. And that's, of course, the basis of all spiritual traditions. 
I'm saying that we as stewards of this three-dimensional world, this Gaia, this principle, this living principle out of which we come, from which we emerge, our, our purpose is to steward, is to treat her as sacred being, as a temple, essentially, as a shrine, as we treat our body in the highest, most beautiful uh, possible context. And through that, we come to be devoted to life itself, through Gaia, through our physical body, carrying the lightness of our being. (laughs) Sounds familiar, huh? You know, when you start to view reality this way, if you start to look at your life this way, you will start to feel as a being more refined. You will start to hold yourself in higher regard, which is to also say with a higher sense of self-worth, of self-value, of self-image. And I say that here. Because I think a lot of the suffering that goes on in this world has to do with a negative sense of self-worth, a negative sense of self-value, or a negative self-image. And sometimes when it's the opposite, it's a false opposite, if you will, and a false negative, as they say in medicine. A false opposite means that it's actually a compensation for actually feeling that way, of actually feeling um, the self-abnegation, of feeling the self-negative value. And uh, when that's the case, we can go to the other extreme and be uh, boastful, a braggart, arrogant, uh, imprudent to be nice about it and uh, recognize that as a as a compensation for the other feelings that we have. And why is that relevant? You could say, well, I'm a grown-up. You know, I'm 30 years old, or I'm 35, or I'm 40, or 45, or I'm 50, or I'm 60. And these are old concepts that may have had relevance when I was four or five or six or a a young teenager and I was just getting my bearings, but what does it have to do with me now? Well, I would say for most people, a lot of the time, almost everything. It colors and shapes our world. It's a filter through which we see ourselves and other. We project everything through these lens and, um, So, in fact, it's critically important because our entire neurophysiology, our neural nets get formulated literally embryonically and then fetally and then infantilely, if you will. In our earliest manifestation, we are um, expressing this kind of uh, mental attitude which we inherited from the attitudes of especially our mother and the way our mother was influenced by our father when we were in utero. And 
if those impressions that she received from the father were loving and kind and supportive, well, that gets naturally transferred right directly to us through the umbilical cord and through the overall morphogenetic field in the womb and around around the mother. You see, everything is energetic in nature. Everything is electrical, quite honestly, and chemical in nature. Our brain works through an electrochemical process. Synapses are com- a composite of electrical activity and biochemical activity. Every single dendritic growth occurs in our brain through this combination. And there is, you could say, the elan vital, the underlying chi or life field, life force beneath that. You know, the Indians would call it shakti. So this is what composes us and it uh, orients our nature, our psychology, our perspective, our worldview, and our self-image and our sense of self-value and our self-worth all from here, all from here. You could ask if it's not very good, is it mutable? Thankfully, thankfully, due to the nature of mind and the nature of brain and the nature of heart, of course, which is another form of brain, it is mutable. We have the wonderful notion of neuroplasticity that, and in physics we have the notion of mutability. So in reality, on both levels, on the level, the larger level of physics and the more micro level of biology slash neurophysiology, we have neuroplasticity. So there is hope, folks, for us all because we all come in with some peculiar, sometimes bizarre, and usually quite erroneous ideas of who we are limited ideas, I should say. Sometimes we are born in pain. Sometimes we have these skewed notions of who we are early, early on. Rarely does someone have the sense of their own divinity at the point of birth. Just so rarely, rarely happens. Maybe in the case of a Buddha or some such lofty, exalted being. But for others, by and large, with exceptions, we come in with some wound, with maybe some level of pain or trauma, physical or emotional or both. And it's an obstacle we are then positioned to reckon with, address, and overcome. And we come become the better for overcoming it. So on one level of reality, it's all good. It all has its place. And that positioning allows us to become the people who we become. So it's very beautiful. Now, what is the relationship between this idea of sacred stewardship and our relationship to everything around us? Well, if we do the inner work of cleaning up our act of recognizing our own inner divinity and recognizing uh, a level of respect that we 
should have for ourselves and therefore for other and by extension the earth herself we will start to treat each other not start continue uh treating each other and the earth herself with the deepest love and the deepest respect and as soon as we come to that inner place that understanding the rest rolls out like mr george ivanovich gurdjieff would say like a pianola meaning smoothly there's a flow there's no thought to doing damage to the environment uh just for the sake of something called money there's no idea of of uh creating power struggles with each other or with earth it's just there's no place for it because we've cleaned our own slate we've done our own inner homework and that way we can have proper relations with each other and with the earth herself therefore such things as the transpacific partnership or strange um commercial policy or governmental policy or anything of that sort would just it wouldn't even exist or genetically modifying organisms of any sort you know the ideas wouldn't even occur inside the brain matter or the mind and if they did occur they would be dismissed because there would be no space because it would be antithetical to showing respect for life itself so on that note i see that we have been joined by uh our guest for a few minutes is going to talk about this wonderful event that's taking place that is designed to honor mother earth on this beautiful sacred day of earth day and that is Andy Kane are you with us yes i am hi hi welcome Hello. to a better world good to have you Thank on you. again Sure, it is absolutely. good to have a better world. <laughs> it really is important. It's vital at this point, Andy Kane. It's vital. So oh. thanks for coming on, and uh, tell us a little bit about what's happening tomorrow. Thank you. In honor Mitchell. of Earth Day. Sure. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your support, Mitchell, because, um, you know, it's it's important for us all to uh, come together, uh, not just, once a year, really, but to really honor and respect the planet every day of the year, you know? Every day is Earth yeah, Day. Yeah, before you came on, I was saying every day is Earth Day. Ah, yeah, interesting yeah. enough, every day. Today, today is Earth Day, actually, April 22nd. I know. Um, so tomorrow, Thursday, April 23rd, we are having our ninth annual World Peace Earth Day celebration, and... Um, it's taking place down at St. John's Lutheran Church at 81 Christopher Street uh, from 6.30 to 10.30 p.m. And um, we are having uh, different things happening, including a keynote uh, Earth panel with different panelists that include Andrew Faust, who's uh, one of the premier permaculture teachers and designers in North America. And um, we have... Grandmother Shirley Barkley and Grandmother Three Crow, and Rick Ofick, who actually has been our fiscal sponsor. This organization, this company, Planet Heart, is really about producing events for world peace and Earth Day. 
and um, he's been doing amazing work. So that's part of the panel, and we also have music and, and indigenous ceremonies and live performances, and we have a water ceremony. As you know, March, exactly one month ago is World Water Day, and water is so important. And throughout the evening that we are going to have tomorrow, we're going to be having um, different elements expressed, like earth in the earth panel, water, we're having a water ceremony, other, um, Grandmother Leisha is going to be gifting the, universe, the community with a beautiful message she has, which is actually in uh, one of the magazines that we have, a sponsor in the Realm magazine. So these are kind of things, you know, we just really want to bring people together. It's an annual event, M- Mitchell, and everybody's just speaking to us. We, It's really important for us to come together and take care of this planet. And, um, you know, not only, you know, take care of this planet, but take care of ourselves, our inner selves. You know, peace comes within, from, from, from within. And um, it's 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 just something I I love to do, bring people together for for this purpose. Yes, but you've yeah. been doing it well for many years at this. Yeah, point. and I don't think I gave the website by the way. So the website is why don't you give it www.planetsheart.org, and you can go there to still get tickets and uh, get all the information that's taking place. Uh, we're actually having a pre-show at 6.30 p.m., so doors open at 6 p.m. And Jason Trackenberg, who uh, is from the Trackenberg Family Slideshow Players, some of your audience may know of, know who they were, uh, he's doing a beautiful mm-hmm. little thing before opening ceremony with Indigenous Elders. So, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful. Yeah, we're excited, and, and um, next year will be our 10th anniversary. And it's just, it's really just, it's it's really not just a one-year thing that it should be. It should be really more of like an annual, everyday thing about taking care of what to do, not just celebrating the planet for one day, like which is what you always, you know, have beautiful talks about with everybody regarding what to do with the planet. And thank you, Mitchell, yeah. for everything you've done. Sure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Well, thank you, Andy, for uh, stepping up and doing this every year, year after year. It's a beautiful event. People come together. It's very much about community building. And uh, I think it will be a very special time, folks. So it's certainly uh, an event worth going to and spending time at and bringing your heart because that's so much of what this is about. So give your website again, Andy. Sure. uh, It's Planet www.planetheart.org and you can also email info at planetheart.org okay, It's our wonderful. heartbeat to Mother Earth, you know our heartbeat beating to the beat of the planet Earth it, We're all one Exactly all one. I remember last year we had a uh, we had a uh, peace panel and then I did the Earth panel and are you yes. doing the same thing this year? This year we're only having one panel uh, merging both of those topics, and um, uh, so it's yeah. And okay. Alan Steinfeld is hosting, along with Imav, okay. Conscious Pop recording artist, and, and my she's been uh, amazing, and, and so we're really pleased to have both of them hosting totally. this year. Um, yep. And um, so yeah, that's and she's yeah. lovely. Yeah, great, great to have her. Good, Andy Kane. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing all of this with our audience. Thank you. And I'm sure it's going to be a special time. Yes, please come. Celebrate every day is Earth Day with us tomorrow night. Sounds Thank you. great. Good. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, bye. So, from the producer himself of 
Planet Heart, planetheart.org. Yeah, it's really, um, it's a good time for all, as the Beatles used to say, and uh, certainly worthwhile. So I want to just remind you all, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, and uh, yes, I know, most of you listen in archive, and most of you listen on your mobile phone. That's what's happening. The shrinking of our world. Yes, indeed. The bettering and the shrinking. Is that one and the same? I don't know. But I'm glad that you're listening on whatever device and whatever size it may be to this show. I very much appreciate it and really try to share with you all the uh, perspectives that can help to embolden, educate, empower, enrich, and ultimately inspire and elevate your mind and soul so we can all create a better world because that's what creates a better world when we all play that game. Now, I just want to come back to this idea. Oh, I also want to remind you that at betterworld.tv you can uh, subscribe to our newsletter for free. Uh, It describes the show's that we have every week, and sometimes I write a blog in it as well. We're on uh, television. Well, I'm the host every Monday at 7 here in New York City, although it's webcast, simulcast, and all that is on the website, betterworld.tv, and we're on every Wednesday. Now, uh, our Tuesday show, Progressive Film Hour on Progressive Radio Network, is in suspension mode for the time being until they upgrade their website and then we'll see what that disposition is. So for the time being, you can see past shows, or here I should say, past shows, which are on our website under Radio Archive. It's there for one and all. The television interviews are under store. They're actually for sale as DVDs or as streaming for actually less not even uh, $6 a month, and you can see virtually everything. Not quite everything, but almost. And that is also on the website on the right side of the homepage. So there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of information. There's a lot to select from to kind of enjoy, educate, and enrich. So uh, please come and uh, spend time at our website. I'll come back fundamentally to this idea uh, I really like to talk about uh, psycho-emotional development which is totally tantamount to what we could call spiritual development or emotional or spiritual maturity because it's through this maturity that I believe the embracing of certain fundamental virtues that our parents talked about way back when we were young be patient be respectful. You know that book, <clears throat> I Learned Everything I Needed to Know in Kindergarten? love that book. And there have been a few that have come out since on the same topic that, you know, what really skews our world is that we didn't listen closely enough to the fundamental messages we received from our parents as children. And had we listened up, had we really tuned in to our parents, let alone our teachers, our aunts, our grandparents, um, 
you know, had we done so, we really would have a different world today. So the point is that our world looks the way it does now, I submit to you, because of the lack of uh, really integrating, introjecting all those fundamental, simple virtues and ideas and values that we were taught, most of us, in most corners of the planet by our family of origin. And the reasons for that are many. And I've actually already gone over some of the earlier developmental questions slash issues of what was the state of our parents, the emotional state, when we were first conceived and during the entire in utero nine-month time period What was the state of our mother then? What was the state of our parents then? Their interactions are directly affecting through the umbilicus and the overall morphogenetic field of the family, our internal state. We and our mother were one, one being. And so what she experienced, we experienced. We need to get our heads around that biological truth. And when we do, we understand that when she was delighted, we were delighted. When she was frightened, we were frightened. And it became imprinted in our nervous system. Both those experiences got imprinted. When she felt good about herself, we felt good about ourselves. And so it goes. So if the uh, embryo fetus and young child, infant then child, feels self-doubt or doesn't perceive being loved, doesn't interpret reality as friendly, as we know Albert Einstein said, posed this very fundamentally important question, is the universe friendly? And if we perceive that it is friendly, conceive that it is friendly, then we will have one attitude. If we perceive it as dangerous and hostile, we will have an entirely different attitude. And you can look at the people that you know and have encountered in your adult life, and you could run it through that one question filter and say, uh, do they perceive the world as friendly or as hostile? And uh, it happens to be very interesting. Of course, if it's friendly, you're going to have a much better time of life. Oh, yeah, you might be taking uh, advantage of here and there, but you're going to be living a much deeper, more satisfying, and I would submit more meaningful life. Also, on the purely physiological level, your body smiles, your cells smile when you smile. So when you laugh, so do your cells. There is a release of oxytocin. There is a release of other um, endorphins that occur. There's uh, the building up of proteins in a manner that creates immune strength and greater mental clarity. And the opposite, when one lives as though one is about to be attacked, one then uh, shoots adrenaline and cortisol 
into the bloodstream, which, by the way, are there for some very good purposes and help us get out of danger, like the times when you're walking down uh, Broadway and there's a tiger behind you. You need that cortisol, man. No, I'm kidding you. We do need those things because they are very survival-oriented and really do help keep us alive. They have a role. It's just that through our mental processes, we sometimes give them a role that is exaggerated and excessive. And these are toxins when released in excess. And they create uh, kidney stress, liver stress, and if liver, also gallbladder, and create distress in the entire system including the circulatory system. So why go there if you don't have to? If you have to, go there and do what needs to be done. Get out of harm's way. It's designed for that. But we have a mind and we have a will, and these need to be activated at the right times to move us through some of our mental constructions that keep us locked in to a certain kind of thought process or program. So, uh, coming back to the idea of compensation, if we do not feel that we have been justly treated as child, as children, if we do not feel, interpret, that we have been loved and cared for and nurtured and nourished, if we were deprived, felt, even if it weren't true, of our mother's breast, we can have repercussions later. And I'm suggesting that those repercussions show up as greed, over-acquisitiveness, over-materialist, how do I say this, materialness, over-consumption, and the entire way our actual society seems to operate. The fundamental principles of our economy of consumerism is based on, I'm suggesting, largely a pathology. It's not that we don't need to consume things. Of course we do. It's part of the entire natural cycle of life. But we have a society and an economy that's based on excess consumerism. And then we tell ourselves a story that we have to have X percentage of economic growth every year, otherwise our economy will tank. Well, there's actually no proof of that. There's no evidence of it. Uh, And it's just, I'm suggesting, a story. So when people grow up and they enter the workforce and they decide what they're going to do when they you know, grow up, and they find themselves as part of the entire consumerist model of the economy, and, you know, buying houses and buying cars and buying diamonds and buying gold and buying, 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 consuming, 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 they are costing the planet tremendously. Uh, They are not exercising the principle that nature has embedded Uh, by definition of zero waste, and they become ultimately part of the consumerist mentality which has brought us to the point of near extinction with global warming running the way it is right now, climate change being the prominent uh, 
issue of our time. Even the White House, President Obama, has recognized that. He's spending Earth Day in the Everglades, inspecting it for the effects of climate change. When the President of the United States is spending a day like that, you know there is a problem. Tonight, I'll be moderating a panel at John Jay College of Criminal Justice at 7 o'clock, and you're all welcome. It's free, uh, with a representative of a Native American tribe down in uh, Ile de Jean Charles, which is part of the area of New Orleans, um, and a filmmaker of a film all about that island and the Native people who live there, uh, Rebecca Ferris of the film Can't Stop the Water, which is all about sea level rise and salt water rise and contaminated water from the oil drilling right next door rise into the living rooms of their houses. So the uh, population of this island has dramatically decreased by approximately 60 to 70% over the last 10 to 15 years, something of that proportion. And the uh, suffering has been enormous. So this is the effect of climate change right here in these United States. And wouldn't you know it, it's happening to some of the most impoverished, materially impoverished people that we have in our country. This is what's going on. Does this have to happen? I say no. With the correct psycho-emotional development, which also coincides with brain development, going from the brain stem, the amygdala, into the prefrontal cortex, and ultimately to the heart, which is the great wise ruler of them all, we are in very good shape. But how many people really even put any attention to this kind of human development? This is what I'm suggesting is really the nugget and the juggernaut of our suffering as well as our liberation. We can create a better world. We can create a society that works, that hums, that flows, that's based on cooperation, that's based on love and bonding, that's based on oxytocin. Uh, if we were to give time and energy, a lot of this comes through practices like meditation, like Qigong and Tai Chi Chuan, even like yoga. These are ancient practices that were all about integrating mind, body, and soul and creating an inner unified field with the fundamental idea that with that unified field internally, we will have the experience of a unified field externally through community building, through family, through choices we make for love, for friendship, for partnership of all sorts. This is cool stuff because this is these are the real building blocks. You know, we can tinker with the outside world and we must tinker with the outside world. We must with the true situation of outer ecology. But I really want to say that you want to look at the inner 
conditions that created that outer reality that needs so desperately at this point to be modified, corrected, rectified. But I'm suggesting that the outer reality as it exists now are symptoms of an inner reality that has run amok, that has been undeveloped, that has remained in a state of confusion and ignorance, which are poisons according to Buddhist psychology. You with me? These are poisons. These are toxins that need to be liberated from our mind-body-soul construction. Okay? That's the way to shift paradigms into a better world, into the new, the new earth, as Eckhart Tolle would talk about it. And I think that's a fine way of putting it. <clears throat> and um, this is really what stewardship is all about. It's stewarding ourselves and stewarding our planet into the space of the sacred, the space of the divine, really and allowing the earth to play her role in its solar system and then the solar system's role in her galaxy. It's the same relationship as an atom to a molecule and a molecule to a cell and cell to tissue and tissue to an organ and an organ to the larger body. Those relationships the holarchy, as Ken Wilber would call it, are essential ingredients to, to the building. Now, you could say, well, what? Did you forget about bacteria? Did you forget about fungi? No, I did not. Those two are part of the holarchy. And for how tiny they are, they are of absolutely foundational importance it's so interesting you know what they say about the titanic that it was uh the use of cheap inexpensive screws uh that held the deck in place that actually led ultimately to its being broken up and sinking so it was the tiny thing that led to the large think thinking okay so when you build a house <clears throat> with good small things, you'll build a strong foundation and a strong house that can last for a long time. So too, nature knew this, of course, and built us thusly. So let's turn our attention for a moment in our close-to-closing moments to something called the Trans-Pacific Partnership and Climate Change. And uh, first of all, climate change. Climate change is truly the most menacing issue we face as a planet. And, of course, there are so many other issues that we face. Um, This one actually is the one that defines our survival or our extinction. It's kind of simple. Um, Not pleasant, but simple. And while issues of, of prejudice, of haves and have-nots, of race, uh, <clears throat> of gender issues, of political issues, of corporatocracy, all of these are important. 
all of them are important, of economy, of the banking industry. Oh, my God, you know, how, wherever you look, we could go deeper in one and see all of the interconnections to everything else. No question about it. But if you need to form a hierarchy of what must be dealt with, um, difficult as it may be to discern, if we don't have air to breathe, if we do not have water to drink, we do not have soil in which to grow our food, we're finished. If the temperatures are scorching the earth and we have no humidity and we have no moisture and we have no water to either drink or feed our seeds, it's game over, man. As Jim Hansen and other scientists have been saying for this point, let's do a little arithmetic, almost 50 years. That's half a century. And it goes back before that. You know, small is beautiful. Silent Spring. The beginning of the Sierra Club. On and on. The environmental movement, the conservation movement, has been lo- have been looking at these kinds of issues for a long time. Thoreau, you know, the Taoists of ancient China recognized the magnificence of nature that we had to care for her, even emulate her. Uh, um, Biomimetics, biomimicry, really interesting domains of understanding and deeply appreciating nature. Uh, My dear old friend Horst Reckelbacher, who founded and was president of Aveda, uh, wrote a book, and I did an interview with him about it, which described how... Corporate structure is actually an imitation emulation of nature's hierarchy. Really interesting. So everything comes back, goes back to nature, because that is actually what we are. We are a function of nature. So implications. The Trans-Pacific Partnership is this ominous presence like all the other trade agreements that were passed over the past 25 years or so have done our country tremendous damage and others tremendous damage. They have not worked. Any true objective measure shows that we have lost jobs, we've lost quality of products, there's a trade deficit, not a surplus. It didn't work. It only worked for the corporatocracy. It only worked for a handful of corporations. The people benefited not. We underwrite all of the mistakes of corporations. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Atlantic Pacific, uh, Atlantic um, Partnership, uh, oh, sorry, I forgot the actual acronym. Uh, we live in a sea of acronyms, don't we? Uh, both are equally or comparably ominous, and they confer sovereignty and judiciary superiority to a corporate judiciary that subordinates all governments, all nations' own legislative bodies and bodies of law. You don't believe me, do you? Well, 
I would point you to the work of Lori Wallach of Global Citizen, uh, Ralph, one of Ralph Nader's great groups, a function of Public Citizen. Uh, go to uh, Food and Water Watch. Uh, I've had um, Mitch Jones on talking about that. You can go back into our radio archives because I've done several shows on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and you can learn for yourself how ominous, how nefarious this is. And Fast Track in itself is ominous and nefarious and is in total contradistinction to the principles of democracy. If you don't know what Fast Track is, which uh, Obama has been doing everything he can, implemented and passed, and I'm afraid to say I think they actually passed it, um, creates an up-and-down vote. That means that our congressional leaders who we elected, I shouldn't use the word leadership so lightly, but they cannot debate the content of the agreement. They can simply say, we're for it or we're against. They cannot dissect it, they cannot analyze it, they cannot extract parts that are not appropriate for the American people. They cannot do that. Fast track denies them that democratic right. Fast track should be eliminated constitutionally. It's just outrageous. It's just another example of the theft of our government by the corporatocracy, which is what it is. It's really pretty straightforward. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership, even though it's being pushed like mad by President Obama, is going to sh- is going to be a, the, one of the darkest stains on his presidency. Uh, it will be a cloud hanging over it if this, in fact, gets passed. So it is up to us to contact our Congress people again, our senators again, and say no to fast track and no to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I am suggesting from the first part of the show that uh, the wish for this level of power uh, to, um, to obviate democracy, to render it essentially obsolete, uh, the people's voice, is a function of a hungry ghost, as we say in Buddhist psychology, Uh, a being who never felt like he got enough and is starving while surrounded by water. You know, it's thirsty. Um, And uh, it's a psychology that is impoverished in itself and therefore wants to accumulate all for itself. It's narcissistic. It's pathological and it needs to be called for what it is, and we should not be suffering because of this maniacal thinking and obsession with control and power. In short, what does it look like for our country? Quickly, all of the environmental legislation that we have so hard to put into place, um, including the EPA, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, Uh, that will all be made short shrift of easily by this corporate judiciary. Um, All the laws protecting food and supplements, all of that could be washed up completely. 
genetically engineered food would become not just for soybeans and corn, but for everything. So we have, no, they talk about jobs. What is this about jobs? It's it's all, it's a lie. And you've got to see through this lie. There's this mesmerizing effect that the word jobs has. Someone just has to say it, and all of a sudden everybody says, yes, oh, yes, oh, give me jobs. But maybe the jobs are three months. Maybe they're six. Maybe they pay below a human wage. Maybe they are groveling kinds of jobs that are not going to actually bolster our society at all. I mean, on and on and on. It's just, it's just propaganda, folks. So I want to urge you that if you respect yourselves and you respect our society and even the thinnest amount of democracy we have left in this country, exercise it. I want to also draw your attention to the book by a friend and colleague of mine, Sam Daly-Harris, of Reclaiming Our Democracy. Results. And he's got results groups all over the country which teach people how to come together and how to petition government, politicians, leaders on all levels, from the local level to the county level to the state level to the federal. And he has been awesomely effective in bringing even the bought and paid for politicians around when they hear the voice of the people politely, respectfully, but persistently and not giving up. They do bend even when they have they have filled their pockets with lobbyists' money. They still have the position of being able to change their minds and be influenced by the voice of the people. Even if they don't want to, sometimes they have to. And that's the kind of position we have to put our politicians in. So, with that said, I want to just say thank you all for listening. I wanted to lay out for you the psychological, emotional, and developmental uh, aspects in a general sweep that form the uh, construct, the mental construct, the emotional structure through which we have a world that is in conflict, that is suffering like mad now with climate refugees in Syria, the Middle East, and everywhere else, South Pacific, and it's only getting worse. There's no need for nuclear energy. There's no need for all of these things. We have solutions. We have technology, which is a manifestation of incredible invention, creativity of the human spirit and imagination. We are awesome, and when we are healthier, when we have freed ourselves from these patterns from uh, in utero and forward, we can start to take objective grasp of our own psychological makeup. And as Joe Dispenza says, we can break the habit of being ourselves, that is the inherited self, and start to forge a new conscious self that is based on the values that we really embrace in our hearts. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for listening. 
I so appreciate your coming to visit A Better World. And now let's create it, folks. Uh, I can be reached at mjr at abetterworld.net. My email address, mjr at abetterworld.net. I so appreciate your comments through email. Uh, visit our website, get our newsletter at abetterworld.tv. Forward this to your friends. You can make it tomorrow night. Uh, first of all, the heaven on earth is at 6 to 8. And if you want, you have to write to me to uh, uh, join us. Um, it's downtown at TRS in near Wall Street, interestingly. And then we have the uh, Planet Earth event uh, at 81 Christopher Street. So uh, please join our newsletter, be in touch with our and part of a better world family and community, and I look forward to seeing you all.